after many, many months, many months of prayer, after delayed construction and uh, hundreds of volunteers over those many months, uh, today uh, we have officially opened our VRL Otis campus. Isn't that awesome? I uh, found out from the team that in first service, it actually turned into standing room only, you know, and so it's not a large, you know, auditorium, but it was still, I think it was, it was almost like 180 people in the auditorium. And so just, it's just really cool to see what God's doing already. Why don't we pray and uh, kind of get into today. Lord, thank you so much for just bringing us here. There's a lot of other places that we could have chosen to be, but we chose to be with you and to be with one another. I pray you'd open our hearts, uh, Lord, allow the distractions that may be on our heart and mind even now to uh, dissipate so that we can actually hear from you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, all of us uh, are sick. Now, you, you might not uh, have a fever. You might not have the flu. You know, you might uh, not have some aches and pains in your body, uh, but all of us are sick. The disease that we have is called hurry sickness. Hurry sickness, and, you, and, you, and the root of our hurry sickness is that we are a people that we hate to wait. We absolutely hate to wait. You can look at so many areas of our society, and you'll see this, this is a common thing, especially in our culture. Uh, for example, let's just take food, right? Uh, just not very many years ago, even when I was growing up, uh, the dinner table at home uh, was kind of a sacred time. Uh, you, nothing else got, got in, in front of that or prioritized over that. In fact, uh, you would eat way more often in the home and have the time that it would take to cook the meals than you would outside the home. But that wasn't fast enough for us because we're hurry sick people. And so we invented something called fast food. You do notice that it is not called good food. It's not called healthy food. And it's not even called cheap food. It was billed as fast food. Now, for those of you who are a little bit younger than, than I am, at one point when fast food came out, you still had to park your car. You actually had to go to a place and you had to order through a window and then you would take it and you'd eat it outside or you would take it home. But that wasn't fast enough for us. See, in our culture, we had to invent the drive-through lane, you know, uh, to eat in our minivans the way that God intended us to. You know, this is kind of the culture that we find ourselves in. Now, speaking of hurry sickness, uh, I read one author said it this way. We send packages through something called Federal Express. We use a cell company called Sprint. We manage our finances through Quicken. We get our gas through Quick Trip and a swim in a suit made by Speedo. This is not what God intended. Men, God did never intend you to ever wear a Speedo. Amen. Just want to throw that, amen, that's right. <laughs> Some of you guys new to church, what's amen? It means so be it. It means I agree with that or keep preaching, brother. You know, so in case you're new to church, just want to, want to let you guys know that. Feel free, you can amen it the rest of, the rest, the rest of our time together. I asked on social media, in fact, I got over 100 responses about where do you struggle waiting? Where is it that you struggle? See if you can identify with one or more of these areas. For example, Heather wrote, I struggle, you know, to wait for when it's socially acceptable to put up my Christmas tree. <laughs> it's not now, Heather, it's not now. You gotta wait. 
Uh, Lola wrote, uh, waiting in traffic. I think most of us can relate to that, but I love what Lola said. I'll go a roundabout way, even if it takes more time, as long as I can keep moving. <laughs> I was like, Lola, you're sick, just like me. I love it. Uh, Chris wrote, the most challenging thing for me is patiently waiting for my four-year-old to put on her shoes. Hashtag, I'm still waiting. Hashtag, fashionably late to everything. Some of you guys who have kids, you absolutely understand what he's saying. Sherry wrote, on hold, and all I hear is, your call is very important to us. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, absolutely hate for that. Uh, Casey wrote, I'm waiting, I thought this is ironic, for others to change their habits, attitudes, views, and behaviors. So if other people would just get on the program, we'd be good. Now, the number one answer, uh, Jenna, Susanna, Jamie, and others all said, Costco. Okay, Costco. And what they're meaning is the lines, right? You go to the grocery store, you know, you just, we don't like to wait in lines. Uh, in fact, I know that I suffer from hurry sickness so much that all, uh, I'm a pretty strategic person, so I'll evaluate the lines based on the speed of the cashier and the amount of items that the people in line ahead of me actually have, and then I will try to pick strategically. Amen. Yeah, I like that. Somebody like me. Now, this is where my sickness gets kind of compulsive because I'll, I'll know what my second choice would have been. So the real me is in one line, while my alter me that I would have chosen is in that line. Now, if alter me gets through the exit before real me gets through, I'll walk out of the store angry. I'm that sick, folks. And I know some of you guys may be the same way as, amen. We got that going. Uh, Larry wrote, uh, waiting for my wife to get ready to leave for church. But what was funny about this is on my social media, his wife Shirley wrote underneath that, wait a minute, I'm usually in the car waiting for him to find his glasses. <laughs> to which I want to say, hashtag marriage counseling at VRL. You know, that's, you, you don't talk to each other, it's through my social, that's pretty funny to me. Speaking of marriage counseling, uh, Jamie Pazanel, uh, her husband, Brad, uh, did our communion offering today. She said, for my husband, Pastor Brad Pazanel, to quit talking after church. Hashtag, we bring two cars. <laughs> like, that's funny. To which, oh, you want to give him a hug? Okay, well, I love it. I like that. Uh, to which, to which uh, Linda Sparley, who happens to be married to Pastor Scott Sparley, wrote, hashtag, I hear you, sister. You know, so there, there's something else going, going on here. Uh, this, this last one, Mike, uh, he wrote, someone getting to the third point of a sermon can feel like forever. Well, Mike, we're not even on point one, so just buckle up. It's gonna, you're going to have to wait just a little bit while today. Now, these are humorous because they're true, and many of us can relate to one, if not multiple, you know, of these examples. The harder weights, even though those are hard, are the ones on a more serious nature, and we find ourselves even struggling to wait in times, especially in times of pain, suffering, and difficulty. Like, for example, Kristen writes, waiting on God's timing for the possibility of a job opening. Been there? Terry wrote, medical test results. Gone to the doctor and just kind of waited. Julie, very profound, for grief to subside. Very lost someone and just waiting for grief to subside. Elaine wrote, God's timing, waiting for reconciliation and restoration with a loved one. And then she wrote, and trains. I don't, I don't know what that means. <laughs> do, do people take trains around here anymore? Anyway, uh, Norm wrote, any response to my prayers? I don't think I know how to listen. And Carissa wrote, Christ's return and people that I've been praying for to come to know Christ, waiting through the struggle of life with someone suffering, feeling powerless to help except to pray. Now, how many of you would be honest this morning 
and say that at some level you too suffer from hurry sickness. Raise your hand. Okay, those of you who are not raising your hand are a liar, but that's okay. You're in church, and this is good. This is a good place to be. We, we all suffer at times from hurry sickness. Uh, now, I'm going to preach today um, out of my weakness, because this is not an area that I believe that I'm even close, even close to modeling or exemplifying. In fact, when I put this series together on the life of David, I realized leading up to this that this would probably be the most difficult and the most challenging one for me, and it actually has proven to be so. I hope as we leave that it will be difficult and challenging, but yet encouraging for you as we understand this idea of waiting. In fact, allow me to give you a little bit of a visual. You see, all of us are here. So we are here, and you think about where here is, not just like the location we're in, the place in life that we're at. Uh, you're in school, you're in junior high, you're in high school, you're, you're getting a degree, uh, you, you, you might be single, you might be married, you might have kids, you have a job, you don't have a job, this is here, this is where you're at. But in some aspect of our lives, even though we're here, most of us want to be there. We want to be there. Uh, if we're single, we, we, we want to be married. If we're married, we, we may want to have kids. If we have a job, we want a different job. If we're in school, we want to get through junior high. We want to get through high school. If we're in debt, we want to get out of debt. And the list can go on and on and on. See, we're here, but we tend to want to be there. But most of our lives is not in the here or there because most of the here is right here. We wait. We're in the waiting season, trying to get from here to there. And we find ourselves over and over and over waiting. We spend so much time in our lives waiting to go from here to there. We're all in a season of waiting, or here's what I can guarantee, you will be in a season of waiting, guaranteed. And what makes waiting so hard is when we begin to see those around us who are there and we're still here. And so we're still here, and we're single, and the person got married. We're still here trying to have kids, and they got kids. We're still looking for that job, and they got a job. We still have a disease, and they've been healed. We're still in debt. They're out of debt. So it makes waiting even that much harder because we're seeing all over the place that all these people are there. How come I'm not there, and I'm still in the waiting zone? See, we've been in a series called David, an Unlikely Leader. Uh, you do realize that David was anointed the next king of Israel in 1 Samuel chapter 16. He didn't become king of Israel until 2 Samuel chapter 5. To give you an idea, that's 20 chapters in the Bible that go by from when he's anointed as king to when he actually becomes king. When he starts here before he actually gets there to become king. To give you an idea, that's 15 years. 15 years. And when I, when, I, when I read that, I was like, oh, that's so hard because I'm like, God, just don't tell me I'm going to be king. Make it a little bit closer, right? Or if I'm going to be anointed king, how come I can't be king tomorrow? Why is there this period of waiting? And that is the question we want to answer for us today. Why does God seem to wait so long to do things in our lives to go from here to there? You ever process that? Uh, those of you who have such hurry sickness that your attention span is like this, let me just get to the end right now. Okay, so if you just need to hear it right here, here's the whole point of what we're talking about. Waiting equals becoming 
So embrace the wait. Waiting equals becoming, so embrace the wait. Someone's like, all right, let's pray, you know, on that note. It's not really encouraging. And so we're going to walk through what does that mean and why is that so important? Because if waiting leads us to becoming, who or what is what God is trying to do in our lives is most important. In other words, outside of suffering, do you realize that waiting is most used by God to help conform us into the people that he wants us to be? Could it be, process this, that God is far more interested in who you and I are becoming than what we are doing? Than who we're becoming than what we are doing? As you think about that, consider this. During the wait time of King David, God, during those 15 years, is shaping David's character that would only take place in the waiting time. He was shaping his competency to be king that would only take place in the waiting time. And he was shaping his commitment to God in and through the waiting season. And so here's my challenge for you this week is, I don't have time to go through all 20 chapters, you know, obviously of the Bible in the short time we have left. And so I would encourage you at some point to read through and see if you don't see some of the same overall high level themes that I see as well. In 1 Samuel 16, we see David is anointed as king. 1 Samuel 17, we see that David kills Goliath. Could it be that God is working on David's courage and trust in him when facing obstacles and enemies in his life? We see in, in, in chapter 18 that Saul puts David in charge of his military and then sends him on impossible missions. Could it be that God is developing David as a leader over men and what it was like to command over the armies? In chapters 18 to 20, David meets Jonathan and we see that him learn and understand what it's like to have real friends in his life. In chapters 19 and 25, something interesting happens. Twice, David is saved by a woman, and he learns to heed the counsel of those around him. Men, how much heartache would we have saved if we had listened to some of the women in our lives? Think about your mom. Think about your wife, your sister, your friend at work. Just saying. No, there's the amen. I was waiting for somebody. Somebody's got to say amen. Come on. Chapters 21 to 23, David runs from Saul and develops an absolute dependence on God. Why? Because he had nothing else to depend on. He either is going to trust God or he was going to die. And so he's like, I'm going to learn dependence because everything else is taken away. And then as Ryan talked about last week, in chapters 24 to 26, 26 David doesn't take Saul's life when he had an opportunity to take things into his own hands. He doesn't do it. And he says, I'm going to trust God you. I'm going to trust your timing and your way, even if it doesn't make sense to me. See, waiting is becoming. So we've got to embrace the wait. I don't know if you look back in your past and you can see some of this to be true, but I can look back at my time in Arizona. And when we were in Arizona, I can look back and most of the memories that I have in Arizona are not real positive ones. They're painful experiences. Some of which were things that happened that were outside of my control. Others of which was because I was an idiot and I made stupid decisions. Now, a lot of times we, th we think that the reason I'm always in the mess I am is because I'm the victim and it's everybody else's issue. Really, I recognize that half of my issue was me. But it was a painful time. And I remember meeting, sitting down with a pastor, you know, at the time. His name was David Wright. And he sat me down and he said, Dan, I want to encourage you. I'm like, I could use some encouragement. He goes, I just want you to know that I've come to realize I don't trust leaders 
who don't walk with a limp. Who don't walk with a limp. But I said, explain that a little bit more. And he told me, he says, when you go through seasons of this waiting and the suffering, this challenge and this difficulty, it's in those seasons that only God does what he can do in order for you to become who he wants you to become. So believe it or not, and I know it's hard in the season you're in, you're going to be a better leader because of it. And I can look back now and say, although I would never want to go through any of that stuff again, I know that I am a better person, better father, and a better leader because of that. And do I walk with a limp? Absolutely. And my dependence is more on God than it used to be when I was back in Arizona. Here's another way to think about it. When you go on a road trip, okay? Family members, you know, friends, whatever you do, when you go on a road trip, how many of you are all about the destination versus the journey? Destination people are like, I'm gonna get there as fast as I can. I don't care how long it takes. How many of you guys are destination people? Destination, okay, you are my people. You're like, everybody goes to the bathroom before we go. Everybody put on your depends because we ain't stopping. You know, this is it. We are gonna get there because nobody can relax till we actually get there. Now, how many of you guys are journey people? You know, enjoying the journey. Okay, you're God's people, okay? You're absolutely God's people because for this destination, folks, we don't realize that there could be so much that's supposed to happen on the journey that actually may be more memorable and more important than the actual destination, but we've missed it because we're so focused on the destination. Let me say it this way. What if what happens to us while we're waiting on God is more important than who or what we're waiting for? Let that sink in for a second. What if what happens to us while we're waiting on God is more important than who or what that we seem to be waiting for? Then in this waiting period, it's more important than the there period. But Dan, you don't have a one, two, and a four-year-old. Praise the Lord, I don't anymore. You know, I know that's a hard season of our age. Those of you who got the little kids, I get it. Because if you are the little kids, you are more tempted to just to get there because it's not fun on the journey. Uh, when my son, oldest son, uh, was about two or three years old, Josiah, uh, he was one of those kids who just didn't like to sleep in the car. He just did not like to sleep. And unfortunately, we lived five hours, you know, approximately from our house to where my parents lived. So we would take these drives. And the problem with a kid who doesn't like to sleep in the car is after a short period of time, maybe a half an hour, he doesn't like to be in the car seat. And so he lets you know about it for several hours in my mind. My wife will say, oh, it's only like 20 minutes. And I'm like, oh, no way. It was like 3,000 years. You know, it was so big. It was just like, I just would just grip that steering wheel, just grind. It would grind on me over and over and over. And so I'd want to get there faster and faster and faster. And yet looking back now, could it be that God was teaching me more in those journeys than he was actually when I arrived? Could it be that when you need to grow in patience, God will give you impatient opportunities. I am much more sympathetic and loving when I'm on airplanes and other situations where other young kids are crying because I have been there and my threshold and patience has risen, which only could have taken place through that experience in my journey and not in the destination. Can I get an amen? Amen. We ask God, why? Why are we having to wait? Could it be because he's saying, and the wait is growth. So embrace the wait. But we hate to wait. And many of us, us, you and I, I told you this is challenging, we say, I'm not going to wait. In fact, we don't wait on God because of bad assumptions that we actually buy into. Let me just walk through three bad assumptions of the reasons why we don't wait on God 
and see if you can identify with one of them. First, if I know what I should do, then I must be ready to do it. That's my bad assumption number one. If I know what I'm supposed to do, then obviously I'm ready to do it. When a 22-year-old knows that one day they're going to be CEO, are they ready to be CEO at 22? Maybe, but probably there needs to be some waiting, some growth. When a 17-year-old girl says she's ready to be married, is she ready to be married? Maybe, but there might need to be... (laughs) I guess not. (laughs) No, (laughs) that was awesome. There might need to be some years, you know, even though we feel like, but mom, but dad, I'm ready now. And you can look back and and realize some of the conversations that you had with your mom and dad and see if you can kind of relate. When we first started, my wife and I started the conversation of this idea of adoption. Okay, it took me a while to get on board. You know, it wasn't a short conversation. It was over many weeks. You could even say many years to say, yep, now we're ready. But when I finally was on board and felt like God was calling us and I am ready, I was like, Carolina, let's make this happen. Wasn't I? I All the time. It's like, what's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? What's the next step? I got so frustrated in the waiting period because days turned into weeks, turned into months, literally to years. And I'll never forget that when I turned 40 years of age, I came to Carolina and I said, Carolina, you do realize that if we adopt now and it happens to be a baby, that I'm going to be the parent that goes to the teachers and the teacher's going to be looking at me and say, well, thank you for bringing your grandpa today. <laughs> right? I, and, I, and I said this, didn't I? So this is all true. And so, you know, she always said, you exaggerate. This is not exaggeration. And so I just feel like I don't have the energy. I said, we've got to get on this. But now as I look back, The delay of years actually has helped me greatly, much more so, to be ready for the true gift that God gave us in Anjali. An absolute gift. But there's no way I could have seen that in how long the journey was taking. That it was almost like God knew what he was doing. See, a waiting season is never a wasted season. It never is. And here's been my experience. Find someone who has had to wait, and you will find an effective leader in whatever it is that they're leading. Find someone who's had to wait. In fact, if your season you're finding yourself in is in a longer period of waiting, do you realize biblically, there seems to be a correlation to the longer you wait to the magnitude to which God is calling you to? Let me give you a couple examples. Abraham waited 25 years when he was first told at 75 that he was going to have a child. And it was over 100 years of age that he finally had a child. He waited from the time God told was going to happen to 25 years later. Joseph, he waited 13 years from the time in which he had this dream about his brothers bowing down to him and him being in charge to when he became second in command in all of Egypt. Moses felt called to be able to set his people free and wound up in a desert for 40 years before he was ready to go back to Egypt to be the leader of his people. And then there's Nehemiah. God calls him to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild that wall. But do you realize he had to wait four months before he went? Your waiting might be four months to 40 years. Pray for the four months. That's how I would encourage you. You just see this all the time. I remember uh, Carolina and I sitting in community group in Otis Orchards, a little over three years ago. It's one of the first community groups that we attended. And as we were in there, you know, we got reacquainted with friends of ours named Holland and Dana Fallon. At that time, you know, Holland was 
finishing up school. He had done an internship. He'd been at church. He felt like God had placed a call on his life to be in ministry full-time. And he was quite frustrated that it was not happening sooner, even to the point where he was looking at other positions, trying to speed things along. His wife, Dana, was full-time, just trying to help her husband through school with young kids at the same time. And they waited, and they waited and waited, and now here they are today, officially as our campus pastors over at Otis Orchards. That's amazing. You can clap for that. takes time, which leads us to the second wrong assumption. Second, the longer I have to wait, it must mean the less active God is in my life. Have you ever felt like, man, God seems to be involved in everybody else's life but mine. Why is he waiting so long to answer my prayers? He's answering their prayer, their prayer. In fact, when I go spend time with God, I don't even sense his voice. I don't even hear him. I feel like I'm going through the motions. He seems silent. Am I in some wasteland somewhere? Doesn't he see my suffering? Doesn't he see my trials? Doesn't he see my confusion and pain? You wouldn't be the only one to pray that prayer. In fact, the guy we're talking about, David, felt this in his life as well, which is why in Psalms 143, he wrote this, come quickly, Lord, Come quickly and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Let me hear your unfailing love each morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Can you hear what he's crying out for? And he is a man after God's own heart. See, what I want to remind us is when we're having those feelings of just saying, God, are you there, isolated? I don't know if you love me because all these things are happening in my life. Do you understand that our feelings are not actually facts about God? See, from our perspective, it feels like he's distant and he's wandering, he's not there and we're in this season. His perspective, he's like, I've got you exactly where I want you to be. And I know it's hard and painful and I am there with you, even though you may not feel me, but I have a plan that actually is going to get you where I want you to be. But do you trust me? See, God's delays are not always God's denials. So we have to embrace the wait, which leads us to our third and last assumption. This one, I probably fall into this category the most. Third, if I don't see God working, maybe God's ways are not working and I have to take over or at least help him out, right? I gotta jump in because obviously God's not moving fast enough and so Dan better get on his horse to make this happen. See, waiting is about control. I need to do things my way and not your way, God. Some of you might find this in your work environment. You've you got a business deal that's kind of been on that burner for a while. And you know, if, if you could, were just to cut a few corners, just to do a little few things that were pretty unethical, you could get this deal done because you feel the pressure and you don't want to wait any longer. Uh, maybe you're single. Uh, and that whole sex outside of marriage thing. I mean, everybody else is doing it and they're shacking up together and all that kind of stuff. And they seem, they get married and they're having a wonderful life. So why should I wait? Why should I do it God's way? Or maybe in your marriage, you're starting to pray, God, it is taking too long to get along. So I'm gonna start to look outside my marriage to fulfill my needs and my wants. Been there? You see, if you wanna see how this works out, just look at your past. Those of you who are a little bit older, look at your past and see how it has worked out. I can tell you in my life, it doesn't work out real well. The times that I have find myself with more regrets is when I can look back and say, Dan, you acted too soon. You acted in your own selfish nature. Like I told you, I've not mastered this by the least bit, but I know this is a challenge. 
You do realize what we truly believe, not what we say believe, is how we'll actually live, how we'll behave. So we can say we believe something, but what we truly believe, I'm not talking about the one, one-off mistakes that all of us make. I'm talking about consistent behavior. You know, because what many of us believe is our belief is my will, my way, and in my time. So God, this is my will, my way, you bless it. This is my prayer. You know, I've already set the stage. Just make it happen, Lord. And what David is reminding us is that his belief was God's will, God's way, and in God's time. In fact, he wrote this next psalm to understand and to help encourage us. But I want you to notice some interesting words that you normally wouldn't see associated with one another. In Psalms 27, 14, David writes, Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Wait patiently for the Lord. Now that sounds funny at first. I've never, and for me, I've never associated patience with bravery and courage. But when you think about it, it actually takes more bravery and more courage to wait for God than to take over control of myself. It's harder, especially when you start heading and a society is pushing further and further all the time. Have it your way, do whatever you want, make yourself happy. It's all about happiness, 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 all this other kind of stuff. And you're like, I'm supposed to wait. I can't do it anymore, right? It takes bravery. It takes courage. And David is speaking from experience. So we've got to embrace the wait, because waiting equals becoming. Now, what if you don't embrace the wait? You know, what if you just like, you know, I'm not waiting anymore. What is the danger? If we don't embrace the wait, what if you and I don't become who God wants us to become on this side of eternity? If you're single, uh, what if you don't become the person that someone else is looking for? Because we're so looking for Mr. and Mrs. Right that could it be in the season of looking, God's trying to make you Mr. and Mrs. Right for somebody else. And we might miss that. Oh, what if that job that you really, really want, you make it happen yourself, not knowing that if you get that job, it's actually going to take more time away from God and your family. And it's actually going to hurt more down the line, but we don't want to wait. What if you're not ready to have that child? Or what if you have that child and you mess them up? Don't worry about that one. We all mess up our kids. <laughs> They're all jacked up, just like us. You know, that's the reality of that one. See, waiting is becoming, so embrace the wait. Jesus does this for us. You realize that, right? And for our world. On social media, there were some people who wrote, if there's a loving God, he, he needs to come take care of this. This, this. We need to end this. New heaven, new earth. Jesus, you promised to return. I mean, come on, Jesus. It's been 2,000 plus years what is the deal? You promised that you would come back. And the answer is actually found in why he would delay. 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for our sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Verse 15 actually says it even more simply. Our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. You do realize that's why Jesus hasn't returned is so that maybe somebody in this room, you wandered in here today having no idea that the reason that this has all not come to an end is because God has been waiting through Jesus Christ for you to surrender yourself to him in this life and for all eternity. It's why when you came in on your seats, you had these green cards, these, these invites, because we're not just about us. We're about other people. If you've already accepted Christ, do you realize that's part of your purpose here on earth 
is to allow and show other people through prayer and intentionality. Who has God put in your life, in your sphere of influence that he doesn't want you to give up on? That he doesn't want you to stop praying for a family member, a friend, and you're like, this person's never gonna come to Christ. That's not for you to decide. Your job is to keep praying, loving, supporting, and modeling what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Waiting equals becoming. So embrace the wait. God often wants to do something in us before he does something through us. So I want you to just to stop right now. Is there something that you're waiting for in life that you're here, you want to be there? Is there something that you're going through, some purpose, some goal, some relationship? Here's what I would challenge you with as we close. Here's your next step. Ask one godly person, what godly advice do you have so I can embrace the wait? In other words, find someone who's already gone through, not people who've not, who's already gone through something similar or something exactly like what you're going through right now and ask them a question like this. What are some things that you did that helped? What are things that you wished you would have done that could be helpful? And it needs to be godly and biblical to make sure that it's focused on him. Now, where do I find those people? Good question. Glad you asked. Start with pastors. That's why we're here, to help walk with you in this journey. Get in a smaller group where you can connect with other people and lean upon them. And they're gonna lean upon you as you guys lean together on Jesus and his word. Or shoot, put it on social media and see what happens, you know, as godly people. Don't just listen to everybody's advice or the ones you want to listen to who can help you and who can help me embrace the weight. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Help us in whatever it is that we're waiting for. To see what you want to teach us and how you want to use us. So Father, I pray if there's anybody in this room who's not yet received you, that you have delayed coming for maybe this person or persons. If you're here today and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, I'm just going to ask you to repeat a simple prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. Father, I pray that you'd have the courage to share that with someone else. For the rest of us, I pray, Father, that you would allow us to trust you, to embrace whatever weight that we're going through. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.